Welcome to The Scope. Our student-run and recorded podcast is put on by the Student Collaborative on Health Policy, a student group that works with Duke's Margolis Center on all health policy-related matters. I'm Sai, a freshman at Duke studying biology and computer science, and I'm joined by my partner, Amy, a freshman studying global health and psychology. In today's podcast, we will cover one of the major activities Scope has undertaken this year, the Margolis Health Policy Case Competition. This event was hosted in collaboration with the Duke Consulting Club and RTI International as a way to increase student involvement in developing health policy, health care, and business solutions. The case competition included a panel of four judges, Dr. Krishna Udayakumar and Andrea Thaumi from the Margolis Center, Dr. Dennis Clements from the Duke Global Health Institute, and Dr. Amy Helwig from RTI. The overall problems the teams had to address was a vaccine hesitancy in the era of COVID-19. The pandemic has highlighted the deep health inequities among populations along the lines of race, ethnicity, and socioeconomic status. Marginalized groups have faced much greater risk of exposure and greater negative social and economic impact due to systemic racism and social determinants of health. North Carolina, unfortunately, has followed all of these national trends and has even shown additional disparities between rural and urban counties, with the former reporting two times as many cases. With the advent of max vaccination, the problem of vaccine hesitancy among the American population looms large. Most worrying is the fact that these marginalized populations that need the vaccine the most report higher levels of hesitancy than the majority population. In all, 10 teams of five Duke students each competed in the event. Each team was tasked with creating a strategy to increase the vaccine adoption rate in one of three counties in North Carolina, Durham, Wilkes, or Robeson. The teams had to learn about the counties, address the root of the cause of vaccine hesitancy among a target population, and come up with a cost-effective solution. In the competition manual, it was advised that the teams consider socioeconomic status, racial and ethnic identity, health system capacity, and access to health care in the target group in each community. Judging was based on a thorough rubric that encompassed solution scaling, viability, longevity, source reliability, operational strengths and weaknesses of their chosen county, quantitative measures, innovations, projections, technical issues, cost structures, community engagement, the use of existing local and governmental resources, awareness of systemic factors influencing health, presentation, professionalism, and delivery. The competition took place over the span of two days from Friday, February 5th to Saturday, February 6th, earlier this year. At 5 p.m. on Friday, the case was released. The teams worked for a few hours and then met up with a mentor from the Margolis Center to ask questions and take advice regarding their potential solutions. After this meeting, many teams worked into the early hours of the morning on their presentation, Later next morning, the teams met with their mentor again and finalized their solution. As a part of the first round, each team gave a five-minute presentation about their solution. After deliberations by the judging panel, three teams were invited back to move forward to the next round. The panel gave each team constructive feedback to develop their solutions further over the next few hours. As a part of the second round, the top three teams gave an extended 15-minute presentation to go over their solution in-depth and participated in a five-minute QA session from the judges. After another round of deliberations from the judges, the rankings of the top three teams were released. 
In addition to these awards, competition participants also voted to choose teams that they decided were the most feasible, most likely to appear on Shark Tank, and the most convincing pitch. Here to talk about organizing the competition is Sarah Bound, interviewed by my partner, Amy. Welcome to The Scope. We are so excited to have you here today and to just discuss the process of planning the Scope Health Policy Case Competition as one of the main organizers. So first, I'm wondering, when did Scope first come up with the idea of creating a health policy competition and where did this interest come from? Sure. So the idea was first raised at our very first GBM in January 2020. I remember it was pre-pandemic days, so we were sitting in this big auditorium and one of our co-founders, Sahil Sandhu, came over to us and he was like, you know what, like, I think a great idea for the Career and Professional Development Committee could be a case competition. So Zavera and I, the other co-chair, immediately wrote that down, but we didn't get started planning on it right away because we were pursuing some other projects. Once the pandemic hit in March is kind of when we transitioned to our, our focus to the case competition because we knew we could plan it far in advance. And so maybe we were hopeful that in early 2021, it might be in person, which it didn't end up being, but we it allowed us enough time to really think through the, everything that it would involve. Some motivation behind the case competition. One big motivation behind it was to give people who are interested in health policy a space to share their ideas. There had never been a health policy case competition before, so this was novel in inviting students interested in this area to present on this topic. And then also just to raise awareness about health policy for those who didn't know much about it before. So it really attracted those students who were really interested in health policy and those students who had more of that business background, and then they were able to learn from each other about those two areas. That's really cool. And it's interesting to see that all of those goals that you had in mind really came through in the final product. So tell me about the process of planning and organizing the case competition. What did the timeline look like and what resources did you utilize? Sure. So as I mentioned, we really started thinking through the planning process in March, but we were still a little bit busy with end of semester classes and such. So in May is really when it went into full swing. Nobody on the planning committee had participated in a case competition before we started planning this one. So over the summer, we really needed to familiarize ourselves with what a case competition was, what it could look like, and what the planning process would look like. So one really great resource that we used during that time was Emory. Emory has a global health case competition, and they had created a guidebook on the process of planning a case competition. So we really reviewed that a ton to get ideas for what our own could look like. And then we also reviewed other case competitions and the actual cases that had been written for those competitions. After we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into and what we wanted it to look like, we began implementing those plans in the fall. So in the fall, we started reaching out to sponsors, to mentors, to judges, really getting together all of those logistics and putting those ideas we've had in the summer into action items. In the spring, we had about one month of spring semester before the actual case competition occurred. So during that time, we finalized all of the connections we've been making in the fall, we wrote the case, and we advertised the case to all the participants, and then we actually held the case competition. That's awesome. That's really exciting just to see how the planning process was able to progress until 
what happened in February. I remember specifically in the case competition, you mentioned how you used a lot of the judges or faculty at Margolis just to discuss how the actual case could be improved or how you could write it. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, they were an incredible resource. So we had initially looking at other case competitions, they had had their sponsors write the case and bring that in. But for ours, we were the ones writing the case. So we really wanted to ensure that we were getting feedback still from our sponsors and from our judges. We sent them many drafts and they would comment on the case and give us suggestions on ways that we could improve it to make it clear for participants. And I think that editing process definitely made it stronger in the end and made it clearer for participants to know exactly what they had to do for this case. Yeah, that's really interesting. As an organizer, what surprised you most about the case competition as you watched it all unfold for the first time? Would you do anything differently? So I'll start with your second question of what I would do differently. I think I would change the timeline a bit. I, we were told beforehand that we should reach out to sponsors as early as possible. And we did reach out to them pretty early, but I would suggest even earlier for the future case competition planners because They've all got a lot going on. We got a lot of no's from sponsors. We got a lot of no response whatsoever from sponsors. Thankfully, we did get RTI and Duke Margolis on board, but I would suggest reaching out to them as soon as possible. And then also advertising to participants I would have done earlier. And then the deadline for sign up I would have done earlier because that last week before the competition was quite chaotic, putting together individuals who had signed up into teams and assigning mentors to all the teams. It was just a lot of logistics at the last minute. So definitely earlier the better. In terms of what surprised me the most, I was surprised by how much teams were able to do in such a short time. They had from 5 p.m. on Friday till noon on Saturday to put together their first round presentations. And I was blown away by the products that teams were able to create in that time. You know, they had totally thought through what their intervention for addressing vaccine hesitancy in the county they had chosen would be. I was just incredibly impressed by the products that they came up with. I'm looking forward to seeing what future teams come up with in the next case competitions we hold as well. Yeah, as am I. It's really exciting to see how successful this first health policy case competition was and just sets the tone for the rest of the case competitions that we'll have. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today in our podcast and for providing an insight on what it was like to plan Duke's first ever health policy case competition. Thank you for having me. Now, we'll be hearing from the team leaders of the top three teams that advanced to the second round of the health policy case competition, and we'll be learning more about their experience as well as their proposed health innovations. Thank you so much to our top three team leaders for joining us today on our podcast. First, if each of you can please briefly introduce yourselves and discuss whether you were interested in health policy before the case competition, and if not, what drew you to participate in the health policy case competition? Sure, and thank you. Hi, I'm Tina Xia, and I am a sophomore at Duke studying statistics and data science with interests in finance and poetry. I didn't know very much about health policy before the competition, but it sounded like a really cool opportunity to learn more about policy, 
and healthcare and what case competitions are actually like. So I got together some friends, applied, and here we are now. Hey, thank you for the question. My name is Sai Rajkunda, and I'm a freshman at Duke. I want to study a potential program two major, which is like a design your own major, investigating the ethical and policy implications of healthcare technology. So I was interested in health policy before the case competition, and I just viewed it as a way to practice writing something and creating ideas within a short time frame. I just thought it would be something cool to do with some of my friends. Hey, my name is Josefa. I'm a junior uh, studying public policy. I'm also pre-med. I actually was interested in health policy before the case competition. That's my concentration within my major. I wanted to do the case competition because I had never done a case competition before, and I wanted to apply some of the things that I had learned in my studies and with my experiences and my internships and apply that to a real case. That's so great to hear. It's so nice to meet all of you and to learn about each of your backgrounds and how it brought you here to the case competition. Next, why don't you tell me about your experience in the health policy case competition? What aspect did you enjoy the most? I thought it was a great experience. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was kind of stressful at certain times as we developed our ideas and thought through everything on a time crunch. But honestly, I think it just made it more exciting and more fun. I liked the presentation component the most. Getting to hear different proposal ideas was really informative and just an all around good time. This was my first case competition ever, so I didn't really know what to expect. Also, we were presenting online through Zoom, so it's different from your normal presentation. That we went in with my team and we really asked a lot of questions to our graduate assistant. And then we just generally worked from her advice and based on what we thought some innovations we could bring our policy case. And when one of the judges Judges, you know, they gave back their round of improvements or suggestions to our topic. That was one aspect that I really enjoyed throughout the competition because then I felt that we were really able to innovate in a short amount of time. I thought that was key to my experience. Yeah, I would second what both uh, the other people said. I really thought it was a really enjoyable experience, but it was a bit exhausting. We were working on our presentations for pretty much entire day nonstop. And it was stressful at times, especially after the first round and going into the second round when we had to build up our presentation again to make it even longer. We didn't have much time to do that and it was a bit stressful, but at the end of the day, it was fun. And I think the most enjoyable part for me was just working with my team, getting to see their perspectives and their approaches to the competition and the case at hand and to really collaborate with them to make something that we were all proud of. That's really cool to hear how all of you were able to balance the stress that came with the case competition with the parts that you enjoyed and just collaborating with your team members and also just collaborating with the faculty and the judges. So all three of you were leaders of the top three teams of the health policy case competition. So congratulations are in order. What was your team's proposed health innovation? And was there something in your plan that you think was unique and allowed you to stand out from the other teams? Sure. So we focused on increasing vaccine adoption rates among the American Indian and Alaska Native community, particularly the Lumbee tribe in Robeson County, North Carolina. Our solution was split into three separate components. 
First, establishing connections with trusted voices and working with community health resource providers. Second, utilizing wellness on wheels, trucks, and info booths. And third, promoting vaccinations through increasing accessibility and a financial incentive referral program. Something unique that we looked into was utilizing pre-existing wellness on wheels trucks or trucks to limit costs. And another cool idea by Ashna on our team was creating a referral program to give back to minority owned businesses and restaurants. I will say though, that I think all teams had really cool and really unique and innovative ideas. I'd like to second what Tina said. A lot of the teams had really good ideas. And when the judges came back after their first round of deliberations, that's when a lot of the innovations uh, we had were put in. The main aspects of our proposal, uh, similar to that of Tina's and Josefa's, was creation of a Lumbee COVID task force that included Cree leaders from the tribe, community businesses, and representatives, and also people from UNC Pembroke, which is a local college in the area. And this task force was charged with the creation and the dissemination of marketing materials, radio ads, door-to-door -door drives, phone banking, and uh, vaccination initiatives. Also key to our program was a referral system where if you get the vaccine and you bring your friend or a relative, someone in the community, you get additional food vouchers or the option to put your name in a raffle. And also part of our response was a formal apology to Lumbee tribe from the state for historical discriminatory actions taken against them that really impact their social determinants of health. And then combined, one of the main features of our plan was that it was very cheap, it was efficient, and provided a large return on investment. Our proposal also focused on the Lumbee people within Robeson County, and it was a three-part proposal. The first and most important part was building up relationship and trust with the community, particularly with the elders within the community. The second was raising education and awareness about the vaccine and how that people could get the vaccine. And then the last was actually implementing it by having various satellite clinics around the area that would administer the vaccine and also encouraging enrollment of local Native Americans into a community health worker program. So that way you could build up trust in the long term with between the community and between health workers. And I think the part that I was most proud of and that my team really emphasized was that first initial part about building up trust. And we think it's really important to center the community and center the needs and wants of the Lumbee people in any intervention that's going to affect them. Well, it's really interesting to hear all three of your plans and really impressive once you understand that all three of these plans and all the other seven plans of, of the 10 teams that were involved were proposed in such a short time frame. So I'm really glad that all of you um, joined us today on our podcast and were able to share your experiences on the health policy case competition. So thank you. And now for our current event. On March 11th, Governor Roy Cooper announced that North Carolina will make Group 4 COVID-19 vaccine eligibility a week earlier than originally planned. That group will now be eligible on March 17th. Group four includes three categories. The first one is anyone 16 to 64 years old with one or more high-risk medical conditions for severe disease from COVID-19. The second one is people living in close group settings. Lastly, essential workers not included in group three frontline essential workers. 
Group 4 Part 1 will be eligible on March 17th, and these include high-risk individuals and those in certain group living situations, such as homeless shelters and correctional facilities. Group 4 Part 2 will be eligible on April 7th, and this includes the remainder of essential workers and others in group living settings, such as college students. This news brings hope that Duke students will be able to get vaccinated throughout April. Until then, we encourage you to continue to do your part to keep our community safe. Double mask up, social distance, and get vaccinated when you are eligible. Thank you to Sarah, Tina, and Hazefa for sitting down with us for an interview in today's podcast. This episode was produced and written by myself and Sai. Thank you to Charlotte and Josie, our editors-in-chief, and the entire Scope team. And most of all, thank you to our listeners. Tune in next week to hear the latest news from The Scope.